we want to just do good things for this world before we have to leave. It takes people like ourselves to step up and do that because what is the difference between my mom and I who got the opportunity to come to America, which is full of opportunities, versus if, you know, she didn't make it through the war or what if I was born in Cambodia? I mean, life would be so different. And so we really soak up every single minute of it. Episode 46. Before we get into episode 46, this is one of my documentary breakdowns. So I'm actually going to break down a documentary that I find interesting, that I watched on TV, that uh, I want to share with you. And not only do I want to share it with you, I also want to share somebody who was in the documentary. So we're going to get to that a little bit later. This documentary is called The Donut King. I found out about this documentary from my father, who also enjoys these type of documentaries. He was telling me about it, and he says, where is it playing? And I said, uh, nowadays, who knows? We found it. It was on Amazon Prime. We watched it. It's fantastic. This one has to do with a gentleman named Ted Noy. Ted was a refugee of Cambodia, and, and he needed a sponsor. His sponsor was a priest at a local church out here in Southern California. Ted held three jobs working 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day. One of those jobs was him cleaning up and being a janitor at the church that the priest uh, sponsored Ted. The other job was uh, filling gas at a gas station. Next to that gas station was a little corner donut shop, tiny little corner donut shop, and he smelled the sweet donuts, and he knew there was something there. He went over, he tried a donut, it was 10 cents at the time. And it reminded him of a treat back in Cambodia. And he asked the lady at the donut shop, he says, if I had $3,000, would I be able to open up my own? And she says, don't open up your own. Go and work for Winchell's. And Winchell's at the time was setting you up with your own franchised donut shop. And she says, they're going to teach you how to run the shop, run the place, what to do, how to be successful. Let them do that for you. And then they'll open up a location for you. He goes down to the local Winchell's. This one was located in La Habra, California, and does just that. Meets with the owner there. They hire him, and they're teaching him the ropes. And the owner at the time said, well, they interviewed the owner afterwards, and he said this wasn't just any ordinary employee. This was a guy who had goals. We knew he was different because he was asking all the right questions, and we knew where he was headed. Eight months later, they gave him his own franchise, Orange County, Newport Beach. He's doing well. This is back in the 70s, so things were well. So he no longer works for his three jobs, supporting himself and his family. He's now doing it with this sole donut shop that he is running in Newport Beach. So good, he now puts a down payment on a condo in Newport Beach. Things are looking good. Things are looking bright. The ultimate American dream is coming. He's doing so well and making so much money, he's now opening up his own donut shops. Bought a beautiful home on the lake in Orange County. Long story short, Uncle Ted Noy is doing so well, he's opened up nearly 70 donut shops. 70. Within a span of five years. I've watched this documentary three times. It's, it's fascinating. 
Just when you think things are headed for a good, true American story, and it, look, at some point uh, in his life, it was. It was a true American story, and it still is. But he screwed up. He screwed up because he found out about a city in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he took his wife there and says, hey, let's go take a trip to Las Vegas. And they go and they have good dinner. They drink. They see a show. They're having a blast. He sees the lights. He sees the action. He loves the city. He falls in love with the city of Las Vegas. Doesn't gamble. Takes his trip with his wife. They come back and he says, you know what? I need to go back, this time without my wife. He goes, he plays cards, he wins five, 10, 15, $20,000. So now he's becoming this degenerate gambler because he keeps coming back. 70 donut shops. And he's going to Las Vegas and gambling and gambling and gambling. So the first few trips, he's making money. Trips after that, he's no longer making money. He's flying to Las Vegas now by himself because the hotels are taking care of him, one. And two, he's telling his employees that he's going to go meet with vendors, not go to Las Vegas and play on a Tuesday. Ted Noy, Uncle Ted Noy. I feel like he's my uncle too. I've watched it so many times. He's selling his donut shops because he's losing so much money. And not just one or five or 10 donut shops, he's now lost nearly 70 of them. His last one was one, I believe, in the city of Bakersfield. And it was under his son's name. Son is a kid. He tells his son, we have to sell this last donut shop. And I need you to come with me so you can sign off on the deal. Okay. Son is, he's probably 18 years old at the time. So him... Uncle Ted and Uncle Ted's wife take a trip to Bakersfield for their last donut shop that they own. The last donut shop. They make the trip. They make the transaction. They sign the paperwork. They come back with $75,000 cash in a Carl's Jr. bag that they sold their last donut shop on. On the way home, the son is driving back and Uncle Ted tells his son, you see that police officer right there? Yeah. Don't pass him. Because if you pass him, that means you're speeding and he's going to pull us over. His son, being young and dumb, passes the police officer. Police officer pulls him over. Police officer asks the son who owns the vehicle. He points to his father. And the police officer says, you haven't paid your car payments for six months. We're going to impound your vehicle and we're going to take you all to jail. Now, remember, he's got $75,000 in cash in a Carl's Jr. bag in his trunk. He doesn't want to tell the police officer, this is 1980, doesn't want to tell the police officer that he's got a bag of cash because first thing you're going to think of is he's selling drugs, right? He's not selling a donut shop. (laughs) So they impound the vehicle, $75,000 in cash in a Carl's Jr. bag in the trunk. Nobody knows about it. Well, the cop doesn't know about it. They arrest him. They get bailed. He tells the police officer, once they get the car back, can you just do me one favor? Can you check the trunk and just make sure that there's some cash in the trunk? Police officer goes and checks the trunk. There's nothing there. Gone. When the car was impounded, the cash was stolen. 
Uncle Ted has zero dollars. So that is the gist of this documentary. I broke it down for you in less than eight minutes. It's about an hour and a half documentary. It's very good. It's great life lesson uh, documentaries that any age can watch. So who I've got on the show today is his niece, Meili Tao. I'm uh, curious how your business is through all this uh, this crazy stuff in this environment. Well, luckily, we're still doing okay. We were, our doors are still open, and you know we've had to make a few a few pivots. But I think it's really necessary to pivot and in the right areas too. What kind of pivots? The owners have taken a pay cut to keep the store open. Mm. There's a lot of extra extra things like we do a lot of branding that we pay for. We had to kind of reduce to more simpler items, and you know, giving back to the community is a big one for us. I don't know if you know, but we started an initiative called Lunchboxes for Love, which really it, co- it collected donations, which we used to make gourmet sandwiches, donuts, and coffee to deliver to all the healthcare professionals. Mm. So for people, it was a way for them to give back and make an impact. And for us, it helped keep us alive and we could go ahead and help out the healthcare workers and boost the morale. So within the pandemic, we fed over 4,000 healthcare professionals and visited over 60 different hospitals. Wow, you're awesome. And this happened when COVID hit? When COVID hit, yep. And then oh. we were already prepared for, you know, we're, we were already, our our business was pretty digital by then already. A lot of small businesses were not. And so when people were looking for, you know, how to get a donut, but don't leave your house, we were already equipped to do delivery and we had all of that set up already. Is that on your own platform or through a Postmate? Uber so, so we have um, we have our own platform, mm-hmm. which uh, you, they can order on our website, and we send a private courier, or we do it through Uber Eats, Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash. And through your own platform, what's the mile radius? Literally anywhere. Yeah. And nationwide. What? Yeah. And how? What's the shelf life on a donut then? say no more than two to three days but we overnight our donuts and for the ones that we can drive to we can just do same day and do they come with some sort of directions as to how to keep them fresh or are they still going to be good no they're still fresh Uh, i i always tell customers if they want to enjoy it as if it came out of the oven what they do is they can just heat it up in the microwave for like 20 seconds and it's just as good you know, that was one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask you too. Is it a rude thing walking into a donut shop and asking the owner of the place to heat it up for you? If no, it's been sitting? I I love I well, you know, it depends on who's working, right? If they are yeah. not having a good day and they want to take an extra step, then yes, you know, they it might be it's not considered rude. It's just a, a more of an inconvenience. But for me, when I work the front. I actually offer my customers. I say, hey, you know how I like to eat these donut holes? Like, I like to eat them heated up for 20 seconds. And when they try it, they really like it. Or our ham and cheese croissants, we heat them up and we toast them. So it's got that crispiness on the outside. 
And I mean, we're a 24 hour operation. So it's not like all the items are hot at once. We have to make things in a chronological order. So things are made at different times. Is that, that's, what, that's how we're able to keep our showcase fully stocked and with such a big variety. The documentary, The Donut King, I've watched it three times now. <gasps> oh my gosh, really? <laughs> yeah. And do you love it? Or I love it. Like, I do, I do. Tell me like, how you feel about it and everything. You know, I've told so many people about it too. It's not like I've kept this a secret. I've told everybody to watch it too because of the story. See, I'm Armenian and we've got some history with some genocides. And when your Uncle Ted fled Cambodia... It's mm-hmm. very familiar what my ancestors did. Even my, my grandfather did. He survived really? the genocide and he came to the States. Yeah. And so <sighs> for us in our community, I'm telling other Armenians about the story and they're like, wait, this is similar to our story as well. And then yes. him coming down, Maylee, and him like, okay, he was working 24 hours a day and yeah. He had the, the gas station and he was pumping gas and he smelled the treat and he it reminded him of a dessert and back home, right? And he yeah. thought 3000 bucks he can open up his own shop. And she's like, no, don't do that. Go work at the Winchell's, which is actually close to my house. And uh, he's like, yeah, let them, let them teach you how to do it. And so he finally opens one up in Newport Beach and... I'm telling the story like like you, you don't know what I'm talking about. You, you got the whole, you don't even need this documentary. You got Uncle Ted right next to you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a great story. The documentary is so much fun. And as a kid now, was this the environment you grew up in, making donuts? Yeah, it was. Ever since the day I was born. I mean, my, my mom, she worked, my mom and my dad, also worked extremely hard and to add on to that point before how you know you said that when you watched it it reminds you of your you know what armenians went through in the genocide i think that's why this story is so compelling and touching because yes it might be about cambodians but it really expands to all immigrants who've come here to America and gone through some kind of journey to make it here, to go to a different country, to find a new home. And my uncle was fortunately the person to pioneer that business model for people. And and he sponsored refugees to come over here. So, And, and it doesn't even have to also be related or about donuts. I mean, you replace donuts with laundromats. Chinese food places. I mean, what what do Armenians do? Like, what's the Armenian like trade? Like, when you come here, like, what do most Armenians cell phones end up and doing? Pa- cell phones and pagers. I'm just kidding. Yes, now, it's like uh, <laughs> I mean, ju- it'd be like bakeries and jewelry, but mostly like bakeries, right? We're bringing the Armenian yeah. traditions back with the with the pastries and the food. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's why like this movie it has such a profound effect on people because anybody has that immigrant friend who's come over here and we've America is so diverse like this this it's funny because this is like an all-american treat but expands past being American right so yes I my mom and dad they worked very very hard my mom she was still working almost up until the day that she had me so you know regulars to this day they go oh i remember you were in your mom's womb Mm. when i met you and you know i was born my dad would say you know i would bring you to the shop i would put you over here i would bake and then i'd pick you back up and we'd go home so i mean i spent many days as a kid running around there 
developing these relationships with what I call my second family as all the customers who would come in and, and know about us and know about my brother, know about my parents. And, you know, it, it was, it was so interesting. And then as I got older and even, even at the age of six, that's when I started to help my parents, you know, helping them at the store and all, all the way up until college. I, even when I was in college, I still came back to help them on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, ultimately I came back to help, uh, in 2013 is when I like took over. So was that kind of set in stone for you knowing you're, you're kind of going to take over one day? No, it wasn't. So before I went to school to uh, college, and by the way, my parents sent me to the best schools, like private Catholic high school, even though I was Buddhist and UC San Diego. Mm -hmm. And my whole thing was I was going to study to be a news reporter. Hmm. And I interned for a news station. I hated it. And really, it was my mom who wanted to push me in a direction of, you know, this is like this. This will be good. You know, it's 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 safe. And, you know, if you have get a good education, like you can take on this role. And little did she know, like being a news reporter is not very safe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're on the scene with like murder, murder scenes and car things and whatnot. And it was really about the ratings. And if I was going to really dedicate my life to a company, an occupation, a career, it needed to be, you know, meaningful and fulfilling for me. It was never set in stone, but it was always a plan B. So your mom, was she on the second round, basically? Like, did, did your Uncle Ted sponsor her? So, no. The story uh, is quite funny, actually. My parents were arranged, mm -hmm. and, you know, because they did that back in the day. Sure, yeah. So my parents were arranged, but they met here in America. And they met here in America because my mom, she 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 came over separately uh, with her family. And when they got here, my mom worked as a seamstress working for a penny and, and a, a garment per garment. Mm. She would have to go through so many garments per day. She would ride the bus to go to work. She lived in Chinatown, which here in LA, you know, was not the greatest neighborhood. She worked so hard and saved up with her family that they saved up to find you know, the donut king who was rumored to have donut shops. If you saved a certain amount of money, you could put a deposit down and he would find you a donut shop and set you up. And so my, my mom's side of the family ended up renting a donut shop from Ted Noy's sister and Ted Noy's sister, my auntie, she, you know, had told the family, oh, you know, this, this family, the Lee family, they, they are, they're renting this shop for me. And, uh, you know, the girl is so beautiful. She's, she's a very hard worker and she comes from a good family. Somebody should go and, you know, check her out. And like, it's so funny because, you know, who does that nowadays? But my uncle Ted took my dad to go see my mom in Lake Paris, which is about two and a half hours away from L.A., they go, they have an apple fritter and a Coca-Cola. And within 15 minutes, my dad decides that he likes her. And my dad and my Uncle Ted go to my grandpa and ask for my mom's hand in marriage. Mm. At the time, my grandpa, he's very old school Chinese. So he's like watching my mom like a bodyguard. She's not allowed to talk to anybody. But with Uncle Ted and my dad, he said yes. Mm. So that's how... The mar you know, that's that's when they got married. 
Wow. Okay, so the relationship then is on your dad's side. Uncle Ted yes. is on your dad's side. Yes. Okay, got it. Where's Uncle Ted today? Uncle Ted is in Cambodia. He's back. I just saw him. God, I, so. I just saw him about. Uh, I saw him in November. I can't. I can't believe the story. The whole Vegas thing, and then going back, and then putting up his donut shops because he's losing the money, and then losing all his donut shops. Yeah, it's a frightening thing, man. It's crazy. It, it's he. He had such a crazy life. You know, what's crazy that the whole time, the entire documentary, he had a smile on his face. Yeah. Is he kind of that guy? He's kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. He is this man who. So so before um, before all this madness happened, he actually worked as an ambassador to the Thai embassy, and he also knew Chinese. So this man, he is so charming, and he is you know he's such a character. He's yeah. like such a unique character. Like, luckily he speaks English as well. So we you know we joke around with, with each other. We talk about our future plans, and he has just so much faith in me to carry on the family legacy. And I've already done that, you know, through whatever I could with DKs and social media and the Donut King film. So he's really, really happy that, you know, he's 80 now. He's like 80. He's an old, old man. Um, <laughs> and he's just like living a more simpler life. Does he sit you down and tell you all of the, you know, the mistakes that he made and for you not to do them? No, you see, he, he doesn't really talk about any of the bad things. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I try to bring up, you know, gambling or mm -hmm. his feelings, he, he doesn't really talk about that. He really focuses on future stuff, like, and what he, the, the thoughts that he has around like the future, he never really goes back, but he has a lot of regret and remorse for the thing, the bad things that he did, yeah. especially to his family members. Yeah. Uh, talking about your social media, you've done a really good job there. Congratulations. And I'm sure you're, you. you're hoping to continue to grow it. Did you get kickback from your mom when you started the whole social media thing? I'm assuming she's kind of a an old school. Oh, yeah. Like she's so old school and she was so confused as to what Instagram was. And I, you know, I started it and I remember I celebrated when I got my first 100 followers. I was like, yes, <laughs> we have 100 followers. Yes, we're going to make it. We got this. And, you know, it, it grew. It just grew exponentially as the years went on. And it really comes from me being super consistent and dedicated and you know i curated a voice i curated this donut community and it's filled with so many so many awesome people that i've met along the way and really like changing their experience but in the beginning my mom was like what is instagram stop taking pictures of everything what are you doing what is this this that and it was only until like you know a year or two later she really understood that you know social media is a way for businesses and people to be seen that is not just, you know, of classic media, which is like commercials and, you know, phone calls and whatnot. Did she see the light once of that, uh, that cronut experience happen? That blogger came by? Uh, which one? Well, wasn't there a blogger who called you guys and said, you know, I'm, I'm coming in town. You guys just brought the cronut here in the West Coast and the and you guys were giving out like six free cronuts to him. And your mom was like, what do you guys, you, you don't give out free product like that. I know this guy. He didn't even thank us. And yeah, then he puts so out he, this big article, right, about it? Yeah. So that's a, he's the Thrillist editor and Thrillist is a huge publication 
And yes, that's exactly what happened. She, I was like, Hey mom, like, you know, I've got this guy coming in and just give him six free cronuts. And he, you know, she's like exactly what she said. She's like, what do you mean? Why are we giving this out for free? And I was like, no mom, just, you know, just have him try it. Let's see what he thinks. And after that article, like business was not the same. We had, you know, the next day I went in 5am and uh, the phone would not stop ringing and people were asking about it and we had we couldn't fill the orders fast enough like oh. there was like huge wall of orders people would wait one to two hours for the next batch and it was crazy it was like there was such a high demand didn't you get a cease and, and desist letter we did get a cease and desist letter from uh dominique and sells uh I guess hospitality group, mm-hmm. and it was because the the item which we called the Onut now it was previously called the hashtag DKRONUT, which is very similar, and the word CRONUT is trademarked. So mm-hmm. you know they they said that it was too similar, but we had never gone and like stolen his recipe. We had, we hadn't done any of that. Uh, we had just made our own recipe and called it our own name, thinking DK should be a part of it. So pretty much they uh, we changed the name and they didn't really do anything after that. Talk about DK. I figured it was uh, named after Donut King, but it's not, right? What's it named after? It's named after David and Kathy, mm-hmm. who are the original owners of the DK franchise. So the DK franchise was a you know it's an independent franchise in the 1980s and they have a bunch of dk's donuts in tustin in downtown like there's a bunch but in the 80s they decided to sell each individual donut shop to each individual family so my family being one of them were you ever worried when dunkin donuts was making their way out here yeah, you know, Duncan, there's a difference, right? I mean, of course, Duncan is this giant company, this giant company, and they're really big on the East Coast. And so when they decide to move to the West Coast, of course, we'd like, oh my gosh, Duncan's coming. They, it, within DK's Donuts, there's about four to five donut shops around us. Mm-hmm. But DK's is still standing strong. And so, you know, when Duncan came, it's like, okay, you know, let's see what happens. As a bigger corporation, they have so much more money to play around with. And, you know, we don't have any marketing dollars. Like, I I have no marketing dollars in, in our budget. I, I'm the only person who's really, you know, advertising and marketing our donuts and our services. So, but when you look at D- Dunkin' Donuts, they had, you know, their first day, they had this big, big grand opening. But after that, I mean, it's pretty quiet. And I would say that even the East Coast transplants that moved to L.A., they go to Duncan for their coffee. And Duncan here in LA, they actually have a warehouse where they make all their donuts, freeze them, and ship them out to each of the locations. So you can always taste the difference. People's taste buds don't lie. I mean, like they, they, people can definitely taste the difference. So when they taste the DK's donuts, which again is like light and fluffy and fresh and crispy and moist. I mean, People know the difference between, uh, you know, the quality of donuts. With any of those big chains, is there a donut that if you had to pick one, which one would you go to? To a chain yeah. or a type of donut? Well, like the Winchell's, the Dunkin', Krispy Kreme. If you had to go to one of them and pick one donut, 
See, I don't really like any of them. Mm. I think that Krispy Kreme is a little bit sweet. Mm -hmm. I think Dunkin' is definitely not even, like, tastes close to a donut. Um, Winchell's, I guess, I mean, I haven't really stepped into Winchell's in years, but I guess, I I don't know. I would look for a Cambodian-owned donut shop Mm -hmm. because Cambodians, when they have a donut shop, this is their livelihood. They need to sell donuts so that it needs to make sure that it's of top quality and you're also supporting, you know, a minority-owned business. I mean, I would definitely go to a Cambodian-owned donut shop over yeah. any chain. Yeah, for sure. How many donut shops are there in Southern California? Do you know? Not not including the big chains. Oh, I don't know. I really don't. There's like every in corner, LA, right? You can, you can see one almost on every corner. Yeah, yeah nice. I, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, so do you have a donut every morning when you walk in? I unfortunately do not have a donut every time I walk in just because otherwise I would be very, very out of shape. But I do eat donuts when they're fresh. I do eat Mm -hmm. donuts when I'm testing a new type of donut or a new product. And yeah, it's it's very satisfying. You still have the cronut, right? Available? Yes, we call it the double-decker onut. The double-decker onut, okay. And uh, I don't think all donuts are created equal. What makes a good donut, and how do you separate your donut from the competition? Our donuts are very different from our competitors. Our donuts are made with gourmet ingredients. They're made fresh and decadent. They are uniquely displayed. They have unique combinations and flavors such as lychee or bacon or Samoa or galaxy. We also have our traditional ones, which is another interesting ad because our donuts are made with this homemade family recipe that's been passed down for years. And on top of that, they're made with love. They're made with so much care. We make sure that you are getting the freshest donut that's out of the fryer and we're just committed that you get to have this amazing experience. And when people try our donuts, they're light, they're fluffy, they're chewy. Uh, they've got a little crisp to some of them. They're moist. They they're just delightful to the taste buds when you listen, when you when you eat them. Mm. Sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. Are, are you? Did you have you tried a DK's donut before? I have not. Before? I have not. I will be there, especially it being yeah. 24 hours. I will be there some, mm-hmm. yeah, some, sometime during the day. I'll be there. I know how stressful and how difficult it is to run a business, but running a donut business or a shop, I think is one of the most difficult industries to run. No, De- most definitely. Most definitely. Cause your There's hours are of- extremely intense, right? You got to get right. up way we in the morning and then you guys are 24 seven so then mm-hmm. you have to sleep and get your rest. So that means you got to trust somebody at night when you're not there. That's not easy exactly. to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's not. It's not for the faint of heart. And you know, it's a lot of hours on your feet. Um, it's um, coordinating with bakers, coordinating with staff members. You know, you've got to make sure everything's perfect quality. And you have to make sure all the workers show up. You have to make sure everything's fixed. You have to make sure everything's clean. You have to make sure everything's, all the inventory's ordered. I mean, it's a lot of different items. And there's all these other things that require to really make a successful donut shop. 
What would you advise somebody if they would think about opening up a donut shop? Would you advise them to open one up? I actually do donut shop consulting on the side. Hmm. So when clients want to open up a donut shop, they can definitely contact me and I can walk them through the process step by step. But my my advice would be, of course, like I am an advocate of if you have a dream, like you go for it and you don't stop and you ask for help along the way. You make those arrangements because why do you want to make the same mistakes that, you know, you could have saved by just talking to somebody and having them lead you through the process than going in blindly and making those mistakes and having to undo the mistakes and learn from them. Like, why not just have the lessons right in front of you? So to answer your question, of course. And the world always needs more donuts. <laughs> For sure. Uh, what are you most excited about in your industry right now? I'm very excited. I mean, holidays are always a really big thing for us because it's a time where people love to indulge. And during the pandemic, spirits have not been very high and mental health has been on the rise. And, you know, people just need a little escape sometimes, a little sweet treat, a little trip to the donut shop, a, a nice box of donuts arrives in front of your door. You know, they need a little bit of joy in their lives. And, uh, you know, with holidays now being celebrated a little bit differently, we are hoping that, you know, they trust us to create that experience for them, whether that be through our letter donuts, which we spell out different alphabet letters and we, you know, deliver them where they can be picked up. So for birthdays or small celebrations like baby showers, weddings, uh, apologizing or showing that, you know, they're sorry. We get some of those sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, we have our Texas sized donuts, which are great. They're like pretty much big donut cakes and those ones um they're just so fun because they're giant like literally we can get a three-tiered one so a 12 by 12 stacked on an 8 by 8 stacked on a 10 10 by 10 and uh really get fancy and then we also have the donut bouquet which is my uh delivery only donut bouquet concept called donut princess la so i mean I get really excited to curate these experiences for people because the look on their face when they see the donuts in the boxes is already enough. But when they tell me that, oh, my God, this is the best donut I've ever had. I love you guys so much. I've recommended you to everybody. I mean, that is also what makes my day. Is it on an app where you can order the donuts or is it on your website? So you can order on our website. We're actually working on a pickup app, our own DK's Donuts app, which should be launching early this year. We've built everything out already. We just have to click launch. So that will be launching sometime in the next month. And, and as I mentioned before, they can order on Uber Eats, Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash. So it's 630 right now. If I order a dozen of donuts right now, how quick would I be able to get them? On your website? Well, where where do you live? I mean, if you live in LA, you know that there's traffic. <laughs> you know that you know that you know that LA is actually made of like eight million people, and you know that LA County is a very expansive place. But I mean, would I get them tonight, or would town. it be would it be tomorrow morning? Like, what would uh, be well, your it turnaround? Depends, it depends on where you are. Like, where are you? In uh, east of LA. East LA, you could get your donuts in like an hour, no an hour way. and a half tops. No yeah. way. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're probably going to have to do that. And <laughs> let me see. Or you could just yeah. come by and let me know and we'll meet, I'll meet you there. And I'm we'll going to do that. Like, 
maybe we can do like a live together. You can tell me, you can tell me in the audience, like what you learned each time you wa- watch the Donut King film. I'm going to do that. And then, and then I'll have live tasting right in front of everybody and it'll be the pure honest truth because I'm I, yeah. I am the donut king but I'm like the junior yeah. of the donut king so yeah so oh, what my. we'll do we'll set up a little thing outside since it's COVID okay. and we'll like have a donut taste test you can either choose three or I'll choose three and then we can eat them together for like a donut mukbang let's do it it's on. That's a deal. How about anything uh, healthy? Do you guys have like a protein donut? We have a protein donut, which mm. has five to nine grams of protein. It's a red velvet crumble. We have an ube donut, which is a purple yam donut. And it's so good. It's one of my first creations. It's not that sweet. And you don't feel that guilty about eating them. We also have a full breakfast and lunch menu where we do low carb breakfast. So you can do like an egg white omelet. Mm. Um, we have gluten friendly items items and we also have fruit smoothies have you thought of multiple locations we have and you know as we said before running one donut shop is a lot of work so we're really focused and making sure that the quality is always good at dk's and that takes up most of my time even when i'm not you know handling the shop i am you know i'm actually doing personal content this year that's my focus so my youtube channel at Neely tao so i want to really now want to start showing people you know what it's like to be a donut princess you know what i have to do in my day-to-day and you know start sharing that story with people because you know people think that donuts just like appear out of thin air like there's a process there's a lot of things that go into owning a business i'm happy you brought that up what is your day-to-day like what time do you wake up in the mornings So I wake up at four and then I head to the shop and then I go ahead and make sure that all the orders are on track for delivery or in the process of being made. And then we go through the morning rush and then after the morning rush, I make sure all the delivery drivers are coming to pick up the, you know, the orders that like custom orders. And then we have all the people go on break and then I stand in the front and then I go on break, have breakfast. And then I come back out and if it's busy, I'll stay. And if I, if it's not, I'm looking at what supplies are needed. I'm going to check on my social media. Sometimes I'll do a live in the middle of all that. I'm answering phone calls and answering emails and answering Instagram messages. And then after that, depending on whatever day it is, hopefully I'll get to rest. But I also run my own podcast, which is called Short and Sweet, a Donut Princess podcast, where I start discussing small business tips and women entrepreneurship and mindset. And then after that, hopefully I'll have some time to work out, maybe eat some lunch, drink some water. And then, you know, I take phone calls, I coordinate, you know, we do corporate giving. So, Sometimes big companies and I, we will work on something together to, you know, do a corporate gift for all their employees, especially during this time. It's a great idea to treat your employees, even though they're working from home. We, we now coordinate like home deliveries, contactless deliveries, et cetera. And um, by then, hopefully I've had dinner and then I'll go to sleep. <laughs> what time is that? So you leave the house at four. What time are you coming back? It really varies. It varies. Yeah. It could be two o'clock. It could be six o'clock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I try to get in bed pretty early. Wow, man, that's crazy. 
it's crazy because your life outside the donut shop, it's hard if it exists at all, no? Personal well, life? I think that being a donut princess is always going to be my title. And what that entails is I'm here if you need anything donut related. And, you know, I, I feel like I, I die. I work all day long, but I love it. I love make, being able to make an impact in my business, make an impact on someone's life. Uh, even if it's something as simple as sending them something for their birthday and showing that people are thinking about them. I think that kindness has been a huge drive to who I am. And I definitely attribute that to my mom. We are constantly working on philanthropic initiatives. So, you know, I did lunchboxes for love. My mom and I will go and grab the day old donuts and we'll go and pass them out to the local homeless people. Mm. And then we'll coordinate if, you know, part, if we have organization partners, they can help us do that. Um, my mom, you know, we're also thinking about how to give back in Cambodia. So every year my mom goes back, she donates tons and tons of rice. She donates school supplies. She donates clothes. She donates uh, to the temples and business personal. It's, it's all interrelated and we're, we're Buddhists. We're very spiritual. We believe that, you know, there's a cycle, there's good karma, there's bad karma. We want to just do good things for this world before we have to leave. And it takes people like ourselves to step up and do that because, you know, we feel so strongly about that. What is the difference between my mom and I who got the opportunity to come to America, which is full of opportunities Versus if, you know, she didn't make it through the war or what if I was born in Cambodia? I mean, life would be so different. And so we really soak up every single minute of it. Awesome. That's so cool. I'm so happy for you guys. I wish you guys nothing but the best. It's it's a great story, um, a great family. And, you know, they say hard work pays off. And I, I believe in that. And you guys are doing that. And you're doing it every day. So I applaud you guys for that. I know how difficult this business is. Thank you so much. Yeah, we couldn't do it with the support of our followers and our donut community. I mean, it's so funny. Like, I'll be driving down in Santa Monica and people will see me and they'll be like, hey, it's a donut princess. What's up? <laughs> and, you know, we have so many awesome, really great people in our community to support us through anything, even the pandemic, you know. And so I, I urge people around, hey, you know, if you have that small business that you love and you love their products, you love their service, like now's the time to give them some digital love. You know, you don't have to, if you have the means to, yes, go and support them. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with leaving them a Yelp review or a Google review or following them on social media so that others can see how hard they work and they can enjoy their products as well. So I would definitely urge people to do that. Maylee Tao, DK's Donuts in Santa Monica. I cannot wait to make my way down there and try her donuts. As most of you know, hey, I'm big on donuts. I love, love donuts, especially a good one. And thankfully around me, I've got some really good donut shops. I'm looking forward to hers though. So um, I'll keep you updated on that. Thank you so much, Maylee, for coming on. Uh, congratulations to her on her all of her success. She's doing an incredible job taking over that family business. Um, her business, her industry is not easy, like I mentioned. I know the rigorous hours. I know what it takes. It's very stressful. But she's doing it with a smile on her face. And she's doing a really good job. 
if you're new to the podcast, uh, this documentary that I broke down, I've done this a few times. I enjoy documentaries because it's real life stuff. You're not watching fake movies and anima- animated garbage. This is real life stories of people who have done things that you can learn from. And if they're making mistakes, you don't make the same mistakes. And in this one, Uncle Ted made some mistakes and he admitted to him. And uh, like Maylee said, it's probably something that he doesn't want to talk about because he is upset at himself by making those mistakes. But again, this is how we learn. We learn from other people's mistakes, so we don't make the same mistakes. So I've done this. Uh, this is my third one. The first one was uh, Don't F With Cats. I broke that documentary down. That was an interesting one. And then the uh, long shot, I, um, I actually had him on. He um, one of my favorite documentaries as well. He was accused of uh, murder. Uh, it wasn't him. He was in jail. He had a great attorney. He got him off. Uh, but I do this uh, sometimes when I find a good documentary. We'll talk about it. We'll break it down. Hopefully, we get the guest on the podcast as well. Make it more fun and interesting. So, if you enjoyed this, uh, thank you so much for making me a part of your day. It means a lot. But if you did enjoy this, please share this with a friend or two. Spread the word about the podcast and. Uh, make this yours and their favorite podcast of course everything leading uh, to my instagram page miked up pod you can go there in the show notes it is linked so it's easy one click button hit follow and uh, you can follow um, the growth of the podcast and uh, and guests in the future Um, always interacting with people Um, i love the random messages that i would get people talking about the prior shows you guys don't know how much that means to me it really does all right i'm gonna go get some donuts again thank you for making me a part of your day i am mike gabriel this was mike the pod until next time folks no wasted days let's go